Pints and Bites Podcast is the perfect wrestling podcast. There's a guy named Hal and there's Danielle and this guy Drip. Rick Flair Drip. Is this how the song goes? It's called Rick Flair Drip? No. Welcome to Tights and Fights, <laughs> the show that discusses wrestling with the sincerity and hilarity that it deserves. I'm Autotopia Riding, Disney wheelin' dealin', Minnie Mouse kiss stealin', son of a gun, Hal Lublin. And I'm joined today by my fellow members of the Nation of Conversation, the flirtiest player in the game, Danielle Radford. That is true. And our special guests from the podcast's The Greatest Generation, The Greatest Discovery, and Friendly Fire. It's Adam to be the man. You gotta beat the pran, Nika. Welcome to Tights and Fights. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> uh, this week, we're going to take a break from the comings and goings of pro wrestling because WWE sucks right now. There's other things. That's fine. We will. Be we're we're on breaks. Talking- There's yeah. more to talk about uh, next week. We're gonna pick yeah. it all up. Pick it all up. Don't worry. We know. Mm-hmm. Calm down. We're going to devote our time today to one of the most important figures in pro wrestling history, 16-time world champion Ric Flair. Before we really get into specifics now, before we dive in, uh, for me, when I was a kid and sick, uh, that was when I would watch wrestling on TBS because it was on earlier than uh, WWE programming mm. or or just different times. So is it like a Pavlov's thing where every time you see Ric Flair, you feel like you're going to throw up? I like, break out into a fever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but that was like my... You uh, get a really strong hunger for soup. <laughs> yeah, exactly. At the time, it was Who's like... Who's got crackers? It was like Lex Luger versus the Four Horsemen, but that yeah. was my exposure to Ric Flair. And I think back to that sort of late 80s version of him. Adam, what, what comes to mind for you when you think of Ric Flair? Uh, same story, except I wasn't sick. It's, <laughs> it's weird how, like, in my memory, uh, the Turner Broadcast Networks mm-hmm. were showing wrestling 24 hours a day in, mm-hmm. sure. in, my, in my childhood memory, and it was always on and I was always watching. Yeah, exactly. And the Braves games were just commercials. Yeah, right? That was it. Like, yeah, why yeah. is there this crappy Braves game on? <laughs> I need to see what happens with wrestling. Yeah. W- when did you start watching? Around what year? Boy, um, like... My earliest memories, I feel like, of of consuming television involve wrestling. Wow. Like, as soon as I was old enough to watch. It was one of those, it was like a treat that my grandparents would give me because Aww. my grandparents were super permissive about television in a way my parents weren't. Mm-hmm. And so when I would go and visit them, uh, wrestling would be on the tube and I would watch with my granddad. And my granddad looked, when he was alive, a lot like Ric Flair. Really? And I think he's been dead for a long time. He looks like Ric Flair now. <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> I say that with love. I love Ric Flair. Yeah. And your grandpa. Yeah, yeah. Love them both. <laughs> this is going to age really well when Flair's sick again in two months. Uh, yeah. Oh. yeah. Danielle, you're, you are, uh, we all know. Yes. Way more familiar with latter day flair than yes. early day flair. What comes to mind for you when when I say Ric Flair? Um, you know, I love you, I'm sorry is a big one. Mm-hmm. Um 
I mean, all the stuff with evolution are things that I'm really familiar with. I said, I've talked about this, like, I'm not, um, we moved around a lot. We got some of, like, the Southern stuff, but at that point I wasn't into wrestling. And so there's this whole, like, gap for me where it's like, I'm very familiar with the things that have happened in that era. Mm -hmm. And I can go back and watch it and appreciate it. But it's kind of like going back and watching Carlin now and being like... Mm underwhelmed and it's only because so much of it influenced what came after that you're so used to it without being like this is the first time that this happened or that happened um so while i appreciate it i don't have the same emotional connection to it as i do you know the stuff that i watched when it was my time to watch it and so with rick flair obviously i appreciate his career he's fantastic i've gone back and watched those old promos and i love him but it's not this deep well of love for back when he was at his best Unfortunately, right. Yeah, you got the latter day where he was still doing good work, but not, not the the really in shape. Yeah, kind of like most of his matches were him getting his ass kicked. For, yeah. for the majority of it. Yeah, uh, and he he even jokes now that he like won sixteen times and that's it. He's <laughs> like a marginal number of wins. He he mm-hmm. would lose more than he would win, but that was sort of what made him a great character were the stories that he told and continued to tell. You know that that certainly held true even throughout his his final match mm-hmm. which is maybe one of the best stories uh that has ever been told in the ring who knows who who's to say us we're podcast hosts let's go let's take a a walk down flair avenue <laughs> <laughs> flair's early years were spent it in is AWA lined with drugs. yeah it's lined with drugs and ropes <laughs> here's a bit of one of his earliest promos this is from back in 1974 Oh, you got a man right here. You got Mr. Charisma, Mr. Excitement, Ric Flair. And you know who I got in my mind? I got the boy, Conway, with the funny-looking hairdo. Conway, you and I have been trading jive. We've been looking each other eye to eye, but now we're down to serious business, buddy. I got you. I'm going to leave you laying there. I'm going to leave you with an eccentric headache, baby, bleeding, messy, crying, begging for your mammy. Baby, you have just begun to find out what it's all about to tangle with the new Mid-Atlantic Tank Team Champions. Woo! Monday night at the Greenville Memorial Auditorium. I like the guy at the end the best. Yeah, that's great. Monday night at the Greenville Auditorium. Just some dudes yelling in your face and wooing in your ear, and you're just like, all right, but the, yeah. here's the information. I'm a prof- professional. Every night I go home and make love to a tumbler of scotch. <laughs> Meet me at the Greenville Auditorium, or at least what's left of me. I still love you, Wendy. Uh, as as performers and comedians and improvisers, I'm sure that you can appreciate what he's doing here on a different level than me. It feels like the words just tumble out of him mm-hmm. at a rate and at a at a rate of comedy, especially that it seems unreal <laughs> to me, and I don't think has even been matched since. I don't know who's as good as him now or has ever been. Like, do you look at a promo like this from him and see? a professional comic in the way that like does he think do you think that he thinks about these things like that or is is he scripted no. at all oh back then it was not scripted it was just like you knew what you had to sell yeah you had to go you had to sell your character you had to sell the match you had to sell that the other person was a threat and you go from there um and so that's why those innate talents were just innate talents and that is something and we've talked about this a lot that we do miss from this latest era because People who 
probably could cut a great promo if you just let them go, are hamstringed by having to be on the script. Yeah. And they're not actors. Some of them are. It's fantastic when they are. You know, The Rock's gone on to be a great actor. John Cena's gone on to be the next Rock. He's going to be in the next Fast and Furious and probably like right. replace The Rock in that series. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they are, they've are. they been able to build some talents on that, but for the most part, they would, you know, I, I, I don't want to see a scripted version of a Ric Flair. It wouldn't have yeah. worked as well. Listen to this. He definitely, just from the wordplay, he had to have thought about it beforehand. If he oh, yeah. didn't write it himself... Yeah. He at least had it planned out. But that's why these guys work so well, because they had that passion to be like, you know, I know, again, I know what I need to sell. I know I need to sell me. I need to sell the, the I need to sell that the match is a big deal. I need to sell the, that the person is a big deal. I need to sell that there's a real rivalry between us. And that's what they had to do. And that's where the art of it comes in, because you do on your way there, you at least think like, OK, I know I want to talk about this, this, this and this. Oh, this might be a funny thing to say or that yeah. might be a funny thing to say. But for the rest of it, it's just him like Im- improvising, you yeah. know, and yes, ending and without knowing it's yes, ending yeah. back then, like they were doing it, the good ones without knowing they were doing it. Um, and that's what's great. And I know that they make them take improv classes now. And I'm like, really? For a while they were. I don't know if they still are. Here's the thing that strikes me about that promo. And he's, Ric Flair said this many times, that early in his career, he was just trying to be Dusty Rhodes. Yeah. yeah. And that promo is so Dusty Rhodes. Even like down to the speech patterns. Yeah. It's like, it's very, It's you can tell obviously it's very early on. And a Dusty Rhodesian accent. Yes. He's even got bit. the accent, yeah. but there is a little bit of Ric Flair. He's one of the, like, the rare guys who can... Yell an entire promo because everything he did was yelling. Yeah, he had basically one volume, but still made it believable. Yeah, because a lot of guys. I mean, everybody yelled. Yeah, seventies, eighties. There were a lot of yellers, and that's what like where like that stereotype of the promo was like. I'm gonna meet you at the garden, and we're gonna. <laughs> I'm gonna stomp a mud hole in your ass, boy. And like that's where that you mm-hmm. know that stereotype of promos come from. Yeah. One of the funnest things to do during his promos is look at the reacts from everyone. And it's a miracle to me how, like, how stone-faced they can be as a tornado is happening in front of them. Yeah. Because he's, like, clearing space for himself. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's so much fun. He really uses his environment very well as an actor. He explores the space. Yeah, and this is not a widescreen television composition either. Like, it's tight. Animal work is stupid. Come on, let's all be an animal. I got kicked out of college because I couldn't be a tortoise. Anyway, continue. (laughs) (laughs) That is a true They didn't deserve you. Yeah. Well, I'm the the only ones doing shit now, so... It's sort of like Juilliard. The people who drop out and leave and are kicked out are the ones who do the best. Yeah. See? The haters were my motivators. Anyway. (laughs) There you go. Is that from Ric Flair Drip? Is that a line from it? No, but it can Darn be. It. Okay, we're just going to actually, we're going to find Ric Flair Jip because you have to actually listen to it. We will play oh, it Oh, do I, I? Do I have to? Yeah, no, you actually do. Okay, fine. I'll He's in it. Later. All right, I bet. I'm sure he goes woo. Slaps and what his, else would you have him do? Slaps his boobies. I'm sure he does. I wouldn't have him do anything else. <laughs> I'd have him do nothing else. Uh, so, Flair, how did he become the nature boy when Buddy Rogers was the nature boy? Well, I'll tell you. He just took it, right? Yeah, he started a feud <laughs> with Buddy Rogers and then wound up adopting the name uh, for himself. They didn't do a name match where the winner of the match gets the name? No name, name on name. a pole. Yeah. <laughs> a name, no, uh, a name in a suitcase above a ladder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
I like abstract concepts up yeah. for grabs in a match. Yeah. <laughs> the suitcase just has a hello, my name is label on it. Yeah. <laughs> Whoever can get up there with a marker first yeah, and write right. their name is the nature boy. Oh, come on. We can't keep giving these ideas away for free. It'll be on WWE next week. Uh, Russo <laughs> will take it and use it for something. If uh, they ever let him near a ring again. From 1981 to 1986, Ric Flair would win and lose the NWA World Championship eight separate times. And his career hit a big resurgence when he partnered up with Tully Blanchard and Ole and Arn Anderson to form the Four Horsemen, the most iconic stable in wrestling history, whose lineup changed so many times, but it really was never the Horsemen without Flair. Like, yeah. you needed to at least have Flair for yeah. it to really be considered legitimate Horsemen, right? Yeah. I was looking at that four <laughs> horseman symbol again recently. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Let me just look at it again to make sure it's the one that I... Um, this one, where they're holding the four fingers up? Yeah. N- no, no, no. <clears throat> the Didn't they have, like, a, a symbol symbol? Did they? Was it four horses? Y- yeah. Ca- yes. Uh-oh. Um, let me double check and make sure this is what I'm thinking of. It's problematic The, the horses just corner. have giant dongs? Yeah. Do they have... Are there big horse dongs? No, let me see because I did. I saw this, oh. so I want to make sure. Oh, are you talking Forrest? about the one where the horses like kind of look like a swastika? That's the one I'm talking about. Oh no, where the horses look like a fucking swastika. Whoops. Like to be fair though, I, I did a Google search of four horsemen logo, and that it was the least populous one by yeah, far. Most yeah, yeah. Most of them are just it's two horses facing one way, two horses facing the other way, and it's great. Yeah. And this is just and, and I'm I'm this is one of those ones where it's like I'm sure. No one noticed. Mm-hmm. But also, if you just had one Jewish dude or person of color in that room, right. they could have been like, oh, no. Yeah. yeah, I think they did it. And then at some point, one of them was like, oh, I see it now. And then they completely had to change it immediately. Mm-hmm. How many people have ever been in the Four Horsemen? Oh, Like, geez. is that a really long yeah, list? You yeah, think? There it is, you guys. Four... Look at that. That's oh, fucking... I mean, I'm glad no. their headspace left, at least. <laughs> Yeah, if they yeah, it's like right, a reverse. Would, yeah. It's the and Hindu it's, one, you guys. Right. Yeah. yeah, that one means peace. It means peace and love. <laughs> That's right, peace and love, peace and love. Jeez, uh, who were you? Had the original four. You had uh, Lex Luger was in there. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh, JJ Dillon was. I mean, he's basically. Did they ever have a black member? Is is Aww. sort of like one of the reasons for was, asking. Was. Mm, I feel like one of the members of Harlem Heat was, was in yeah, there. Yeah, was Booker for, T in there? I thought, it was, I thought Booker T had a week in Maybe. the Four Horsemen. Julian? Uh, <clears throat> I cannot find... Um, I, I think it might have been one of those things where, you know how they brought somebody in for like one match right. to make them yeah. on? It, it was probably something like that, but the people that are here include uh, Luger, mm-hmm. Barry Windham, Sting, Sid Vicious, Paul Roma, Brian Pillman, <laughs> Chris yeah. Benoit, whoops, yeah. uh, Steve McMichael, Jeff Jarrett, Kurt Henning... Uh, and Dean Malenko as like full on stable members and ponies. Yeah, <laughs> the four ponies. Yes, yes. they were ponies. Uh, and then associated members included War Machine, Hiro yeah. Matsuda, Kendall Windham, who I I don't know who any of these people are. Butch Reed. Okay, he's a Wendell. He's Michael, the natural. Michael Hayes actually joined the Four Horsemen. That seems so sacrilegious because of the Freebirds. But, sure. And David Flair, of course, his son. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then they had a bunch of managers and valets, of course, which that would take forever. I can't let a mention of Sting go by without saying, Sting sucks. Oh! Wow! <laughs> That's a hot take. I think he's so boring. What Really? Just everything in ring? Yeah, I saw, a pro- like, in uh, preparing for the show, I saw a promo with Flair and Sting, and I was like, wow, he is dull. 
Like <laughs> the worst. <laughs> what do Baby you think? faces are dull. I'm, yeah. At least to a certain point, they, it's better now. But yeah. I couldn't ever understand his popularity. He yeah. was loved. Even Crow era Sting. Yeah, yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah. He had a oh, baseball bat. He hung out in the Raptors. The tease for him before he revealed himself was so great. They they stretched that like taffy for like two months. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then the payoff was in, just incredibly boring. Hmm. I, I thought for some reason, like I remember very early Sting. I remember like not quite debuting Sting, but, but around there when he was newer and still had the brush cut. Yeah. And I was like, oh, he's real muscular. That must be why people like him. And then uh, the, I, I don't think I've ever seen a match of his where I was like, oh, he's really, really good. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's tough to remember. Even that was his la- That was the last official WCW match yeah. was uh, Sting and Ric Flair. Flair versus Sting going for 60 minutes uh, for the world title, I think, was the best. That's like, the one where they wrestled to a draw. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It was very mm. good. That and was even fine. Even like as me as somebody like that who's very lukewarm on those old school matches, I will say I will say that that was a very good match. Yeah, I don't think he's I don't think he's bad. I don't think anybody's saying he's necessarily bad, but he's right. just there's nothing uh, for any of the for anybody here that would be like, oh, he's very good. Well, let's steer it back to Four Horsemen then. Sure. Uh, Four Horsemen. I think one of my favorite. Uh, musical intros. Mm-hmm. It is so classically dopey rock and roll mm-hmm. solo. Yeah, and they kept it forever. I don't think they ever changed it, right? Yeah, here, here it is. <laughs> here come the horses. <laughs> I got the horses in the back. Ooh. Oh, that is just so classic wrestling. <laughs> Just imagine them coming out of smoke. Yeah. yeah. Oh. It's like softcore porn music. It definitely is. Thank, thank you for protecting me. <laughs> or like literally anything at the end of an 80s movie. Yeah. Where like the woman who has been in danger and the man who's been protecting her, they finally get that moment to look each other in the eyes and recognize what they've both gone through. Yeah. Freeze frame, kiss, roll credits. Yep. <laughs> or just riding a motorcycle off into the sunset. Yeah. Yeah. Or the uh, the opening credits for the Hitchhiker, aka Handsome Well Hung Drifter, <laughs> the seminal series on Cinemax. <laughs> he's coming into town. We don't know much about him. He's I'm coming into town, and then he's coming again. Yeah. <laughs> Vanilla Rain. Starring anyone who has ever been in Twenty One Jump Street. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Richard Grieco is the Hitchhiker. Um, <laughs> Lou Diamond Phillips did a lot of softcore porn, my friends. Ooh, <laughs> hey, he paid paid the bills, mm-hmm. right? Ric Flair would go on to WWF in late 1991. They actually mm-hmm. teased a program with him at Hogan, which at the time would have been the dream match. Yeah, the two biggest stars from both promotions did not happen. However, he did enter the 1992 Royal Rumble at number two, and lasted I think 61 minutes. Oh, no, number three. He went in number three. I think he lasted 61 minutes, 62 minutes to win the then vacant WWF title. Making him, uh, was he the first person in the in the 80s era to hold both world titles? Ooh, you might be right. Uh... <clears throat> Can't think of anybody else who would have done it. Like, pri- like yeah. when they were still at their most separate. Once you get the, the yeah. major talent from each company shifting, you get Hogan's held yeah, both. yeah, yeah. yeah. Savage held both. 
I want to say he was the first. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us. Tell us we're wrong. At tights and fights. Tell us we're wrong. Tell us we're wrong. Is that a challenge? Are you inviting people to well actually us? No. You can. You can. You know, as long as you're nice about it. I mean, I like. I like learning things. Yeah. Be cool about it. Be cool. If you can avoid using the word actually. Ooh. You'll get plenty of points. Flair was uniquely suited to a rumble, I think, because that chop is so great mm-hmm. for getting people over that rope. Mm. Yes. He didn't have to work too hard to do it. He could just chop 15 people out. That's right. That's that, that, I think that's the reason for the stamina. To go 60 minutes, you're not going to pick someone up and throw them over the rope every two minutes. you got to chop them over. Exactly. you right. got to get a couple chops in there. Plus, uh, that front flop he does. God. Works really well when you're in a long match and you get tired. Yeah. Because he did that after, I think, the second. Uh, I'm sure we're going to talk about the two out of three falls match he had with, yeah. Ricky, the, mm. with Ricky Steamboat. That whole series was breathtaking. But yeah. I think after the second fall, he does his front flop because he's so worn out from all the wrestling. It's sort of like a wrestling version of clenching and boxing. Like he could just yeah. take a, a breather by doing the, 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 <laughs> the fall over. Yeah. Look, oh. Wrestling is really hard. Like, yeah. Not even like it's very tiring. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah, definitely As, not making fun of him <clears throat> for that. Makes yeah. you want to take a front that front fall. Yeah. It's kind of like just, a great someone. Just I just I just need thirty seconds. Just yeah. give me thirty seconds to breathe. And then he's got the begging spot too, which yeah. he could do that a bunch in a Royal Rumble. He begs too. into the ball shot. Right, exactly the perfect <laughs> combo. Uh, but here is uh, his promo, the famous promo that he cut after winning that title. At this time, to present the title belt to the new champion, our president. The distinguished Jack Tunney. <laughs> Congratulations, Ric Flair, on becoming the undisputed champion of the World Wrestling Federation. Let me just say, after very distorting the belt to proclaim me the real world champion, I'm going to tell you all with a tear in my eye. There it is. This is the greatest moment in my life. When you walk around this world and you tell everybody you're number one, the only way you get to stay number one is to be number one. And this is the only title in the wrestling world that makes you number one. When you are the king, you rule the world. Think about it like that, Mr. Perfect. Guys, the brain. Woo! Woo! Let's give a big one. Congratulations, Mr. Flair. It's me, Jack Tunney. You can see me this weekend at the Greenville Arena. I'll just be there making balloon animals. There's no event. I just need a friend. Is that you? Send feet. (laughs) Yeah, this is a a iconic match in his career, followed by an iconic promo. He was part of the Heenan Stable. Uh, What? Do you remember what you felt? Did that switch you over? Did you watch everything? Or you watched mostly NWA as a kid? And if and and if that is true, did this sort of convert you over to WWF for a while? No, I I mean I kind of followed him. Okay. I mean as the stables changed hands, like I would just go where the wrestlers were, the wrestlers that I loved, mm-hmm. and I was not like I didn't really choose between WWE and mm-hmm. and anything else like and WCW. I just like. I was never that type of person. Were you? Did you have an allegiance to a to a brand? I just like the stuff that I like, and either yeah. something speaks to me or it doesn't. But it yeah. was never like, I don't know, the, the weird NFLing or the weird like right. team thing where it's like I'm Team WWE. Well, I'm Team WCW. Whatever. Yeah. It's like I might not watch something because it didn't really appeal to me, but 
I was never, I've always been open to, hey, if the stories are good and the wrestling is good, I'll watch whatever. Yeah, it's like any other sport. If a favorite player gets traded to another team, I'm, I mean, I, I'm still going to like the player. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah, I think for me, being in the Northeast, which was WWE country, yeah. uh, that, that was mostly what I was exposed to. So I watched that a lot more. Um, I didn't dislike uh, NWA to me, there was a big difference in that WWE always felt like it was in a large building. Yeah, and NWA, at least before before the days of WCW, until it became WCW, it felt like it was in like a very small auditorium uh, with only like five rows of people. That was the yeah. that was the feeling I got off of it. So mm. there was something about it that to me felt minor league and I didn't have as much of a connection to it. I agree with you. There was something when I was coming up watching it in the mid 80s that felt like there was some erasure of the NWA stuff that I think wrestling has gotten better at appreciating its history or more interested in its own history right now to the degree that I like I never watched any of the super old stuff. Right. And now they're like clip showing it for for people's retirement ceremonies. And that's that seems like a new technology. A newer technology, anyway. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, it's definitely a new way. It's it's funny because sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. With some things in Impact, they'll acknowledge it. Yeah. Basically, if they feel like they have already defeated you or you're too small for them to care about, then that stuff counts. Yeah. If you start getting bigger, um, then that stuff doesn't count anymore. Like, yeah. sometimes they'll acknowledge New Japan, but when New Japan starts doing more stuff in the U.S. and they start having, like, a title that's, you yeah. know... Then all of a sudden they don't they don't recognize New Japan. So yeah, it's very weird. Eventually WWE will try to purchase everything, and then we'll see all video libraries in one place. Yeah, but which I is not good. No, I don't. I I think right now <clears throat> it'll be if the bubble bursts, then they can start purchasing stuff. But I think right now everyone's like, I still got a shot. Mm. So yeah. it might be five years, ten years <clears throat> from now. I hope it's longer than that. I, I hope. Really uh, do I hope too. these companies are. Good. Yeah, it is very good. I like having different places. It's like being like if only ABC was like the only channel you got to watch. Right, and I mean that that comparison of like when WCW was great, it made WWF at the time better. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Now they try to compete with themselves, but it's manufactured. Yeah, doesn't make it better. Yeah, it's good to get a little push. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, well, Ric Flair did have one WrestleMania match in his initial run. It was a uh, defending the title in a non-main event against Randy Savage. Uh, but then he was gone from the company a few weeks later. Savage wins the title from him. Mm-hmm. That was the Miss Elizabeth. She was mine before she was yours, mm. which I think he was like a centerfold in WWF magazine. Is that right, Julian? <laughs> and it was just them by like a pool. Yeah. And he had his Ric Flair either towel or robe, and they were toasting. That could have been non-sexual. I question I mean, I the, the absorbency of that robe poolside. I just want to say that. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. That, I don't think sequins are gonna are gonna tell you off. No, no, not at all. That thing he probably had to throw it. I probably stank after like a week. It doesn't dry it's out properly. Probably a drowning danger too. Don't yeah. wander into the pool wearing that thing. No. And he was spending like ten thousand, like those decade money on yeah. that. Can you imagine? Yeah, it's too much money. Too much Stop money. it! <laughs> Stop it, Rick. Uh, before we take a break. Rick also had some classic matches in the late 80s with NWA and the 90s in WCW, which includes the 45-minute draw, not a 60-minute draw against Sting, a great rivalry with Dusty Rhodes, his maybe greatest nemesis of his career, and others. Uh, were there any that 
that stand out to you from this time? I mean, you think of Dusty, you think of Steamboat. There you who, go. Which I, the podcast that he did with Steamboat where they were just like reminiscing on doing Broadways together and hanging out and mm-hmm. being buds, even though they were both so different. That was really pleasant. Yeah. yeah. I like that. So, I, but I always pop for friendship. So. Mm-hmm. Of course you do. So that's good. Dusty Rhodes. Great. That's a great one mm-hmm. to throw out there. Steamboat as well. What about you, Adam? I think less specifically and more generally, like what I really appreciated about Flair at the time was he was never the body in any match. Mm-hmm. Like he always looked average or more average than who he was facing. Right. And so that was one of the reasons that I really liked him is that he sold really well. Like he made the other guy look great. Uh, he was never going to be the high flyer or the action guy. Yeah. He was like more of a tactician than anyone else. And yet he had so much charisma that he was able to equal whoever it was that, that he was fighting. And like that, uh, that Savage match is a great example of that like who is more physical than randy savage who flies higher than randy savage right and there's this little old guy with white hair fighting him (laughs) and it just doesn't seem possible and flair made that possible to be believed yeah he he, and he did it for decades he could work with anybody yeah Mm -hmm. which is a a one of the reasons why he's one of the greatest of all time is that yeah. ability to, to adjust to any style working with Sting versus working yeah. with Randy Savage versus working with Steamboat. They're very different from one another. And even later on, Shawn Michaels, like uh, Dusty Rhodes, very different. Yeah. Harley Race, all of these mm-hmm. guys uh, he put on different matches. I always think of him and Dusty. That's That's the person... Who in my mind he's tied to the most? Yeah, they're the opposite number of each other. Yeah, and you it know? was like that then, was his his not mentor, but like his idol. Right. Well, and then at one point did become like a mentor, and then mm-hmm. a peer. Um, are we talking about Dusty yet? Yeah, we got to Dusty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, what was so great about that specific pairing? And this is of all of their stuff, like this. This is the rivalry that I have the most connection to in mm-hmm. that in that era, or in any era, because you know they they fought a whole bunch. But yeah, that was just from comic books and video games and everything I am such a sucker for the opposite number pairing Mm -hmm. you know where they're alike but they're different you know they've both got that shock of blonde hair Yeah. but you've got you know plane riding limo riding like you've got that dude with with his very real life expensive robes and and flaunting all of his wealth versus you know the the son of a plumber who doesn't doesn't have a lot, but he tries really hard and he's doing it for the working man. Yeah, and it's mm-hmm. not about his own personal glory, but it's about all of us being able to celebrate it once. And it's you know, and yeah, you said Ric Flair was never the body, but compared to a Dusty, he might have been seen by one back then, especially yeah. back then because there weren't there were big dudes, but to have such a big dude have such a big part in the show. And his story not being he acknowledges he's a big dude, but his story was never you know. Oh, this fat ass and this and that and that. Um, and that's just such the perfect pairing. And yeah. they worked so well together. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm just always a big sucker for that. You know, that's the that's the Professor X and Magneto. That's the, you know, I just. Uh, I it's a it's classic. Really yeah. Also, um, here's something. I think I mentioned it to Hal last week that um, I'm never going to be able to unsee that I always think is really funny. So uh, I love that Cody is doing so many homages to his father, and I think that it's really great. Um, the blonde hair when he has it, all of those things that he's doing, I, I think it's it's great. But he's also still staking out his own thing. 
I will never stop thinking it's hilarious that when Dusty came to WWE, he had um, he had that black manager. Sapphire. Sapphire. Sweet Sapphire. And then, and then Cody married a black lady. Like like father like son. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Uh, You'll never be able to unsee it now. Yeah. yeah. And once I saw it, and of course that's not why it happened, but once I saw it, I could never unsee it. Yeah. That's amazing. No disrespect to Sapphire or Chief Brandy Officer. No, not at all. Uh, <laughs> if you have any thoughts on everything we've discussed so far. Maybe not that last one. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not that last one. Just let us know about them at facebook.com slash group slash tightsfights and at tightsfights on both Twitter and Instagram. When we come back, Flair's time in WCW and his second stint in WWE. You're listening to Tights and Fights. We are the host of My Brother, My Brother, and Me, and now, nearly 10 years into our podcast, the secret can be revealed. All the clues are in place, and the world's greatest treasure hunt can now begin. Embedded in each episode of My Brother, My Brother, and Me is a micro-clue that will lead you to 14 precious gemstones all around this big, beautiful blue world of ours. So start coming through the episodes. Uh, let's say starting at episode 101 on. Yeah, the early episodes are pretty problematic, so there's no clues in those episodes no no not at all the better ones the good ones clues ahoy listen to every episode repeatedly in sequence laugh if you must but mainly get all the great clues my brother my brother and me it's an advice show kind of but a treasure hunt mainly anywhere you find podcasts or treasure maps my brother my brother and me the hunt is on well Alexis, we got big news uh-oh season one done it's over season two Coming at you hot. Three years after. <laughs> three and a half. Season three and a half. Technically right. almost four years. All right. And now, listen, here at Can I Pet Your Dog, the Smash yes. podcast, our seasons run for three and a half years. <laughs> and then at season two, we come at you with new hot co-hosts named you. Hi, I'm Alexis. <laughs> and we also have uh, Field Troop. Dog Tech. Yeah. Dog News. Dog News. Celebrity guests. Oh, big shots. Will not let them talk about their resume. Nope. Only yeah, the dogs. Only the dogs. I mean, if ever you were going to get into Can I Pet Your Dog, now's the time. Get in here every Tuesday at MaximumFun.org. Welcome back to Tights and Fights. I'm Hal Lublin. I'm joined today by... Danielle Radford. And... Adam Franica. Ric Flair returned to WCW in 1993. He had a classic feud with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, brought back the Horsemen to feud with the NWO, and even teamed with and wrestled his son, David Flair. I mean, that Steamboat... I know, like... I, I did not, during the Monday Night Wars, I was not watching WCW at all. And I've only gone back since to watch the steamboat stuff and i've i've seen like the highlight a lot of the highlights of the nwo stuff but wow his, we were on opposite sides of that we i were on the, i watched wcw see, exclusively I was, and i was watching crappy wwf at the time wow. it was not good everyone had a job yeah it's the dentist who likes body slams yep it's tl hopper the wrestling plumber and duke the dumpster drozy he'll take out the trash and then he'll take out the trash <laughs> Uh, Were you excited when the merger happened? Were you like, I no, this sucks. I don't like that stable at all. Um, you know the the invasion was done so poorly. Yeah, so poorly. Jr. Bless his heart, can try all he wants, but when he goes, it's Jindrak and Palumbo. Nobody is excited. <laughs> nobody is excited. Yeah. Nobody. Nobody. I mean, <laughs> it just and they spent very little. Really, the biggest play they got in WCW 
was the tape library. Yeah. That was yeah. like the big, and I think there were negotiations at the time to only buy the library and not take on the talent. Yeah. Wow. So, you know, there were a lot of different versions of that deal. But Well, and you know, they also got to say they won. And yeah. they have been riding that high for fucking ever. Yeah. yeah. Remember when we won the Monday Night Wars? Remember when we won? It's like, hmm, I don't know if I would call it winning in so much as the other guys gave up. It's like, yeah, the U.S. won the Revolutionary War, but it's mostly because England was like, oh, you're not fucking worth it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, but but in this era, prior to the invasion, I think the that his feud with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, who was a guy that was a rising star in WWF, had, had, in my opinion, the greatest WrestleMania match of all time against Randy Savage at WrestleMania three. Mm-hmm. then requests time off for the birth of his child, has to drop his title, and winds up leaving only to go to WCW and become a world champion and have one of the greatest, I mean, their two out of three falls match is such a great story, bell to bell. I mean, it's incredible. Very regressive child rearing policy at yeah. WWF. That's, that's really, that's too bad. Yeah, no paternity leave. Gotta drop the belt. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's no, I mean, the silver lining of that was that he dropped it to the honky-tonk man who held it for 13 months. Wow. But uh, Love run. me a long rain. Give me a long rain. Yeah, that was, a, that was pretty amazing. Um, but who knows what would have happened. I think he probably would have been in line for a world title at some point. Yeah. And should have been. I think that was one of their, I would hope that somebody at WWE looks back and goes, oh yeah, that was a mistake we made. We should have put the title on him. Right. He could have. He could have been one of those guys to lead them. A company that is through. great at admitting mistakes. They're you mean? so good at just oh, yeah. owning it and <laughs> uh-huh. saying we were wrong. <laughs> that's thankfully they're very with you know. Yeah. That, no, that's what they're known for. Yeah. Taking responsibility and moving yeah. forward accordingly. Right. I, I love that WWE Network series are bad. Which is each <laughs> episode is three hours long, where they dissect a terrible choice. The Katie Vick episode is breathtaking. And it just ends with them looking in the camera and going, our bad. Yeah. <laughs> so so fast forward through all that NWO crap to Flair showing up again. And his first, well, I think his first match back was against Vince. I think they had a no holds barred match at like Royal Rumble or something like that. And then and then he gets in a feud with The Undertaker who, who goads him into fighting by going down to OVW and beating up David Flair. Anybody remember this? No? no. Just me? You're asking me for a lot of deep David Flair cuts. <laughs> yeah. That's like the final David Flair cut in wrestling. Yeah. Because he never, he never made it up. Julian, do you remember? This I actually did not, but I feel like that would have been incredible. I have a ton of memories of watching David Flair wrestle in WCW. Well, then I... why aren't you in here and I'll go produce the podcast? <laughs> no. We all, nobody move from their seats. The door locks from the outside. That's right. We are doing this. I mean, We're in a hot box talking about David Flair. <laughs> Happy Wednesday. I think the the one, just the most, like the one that I just have, like it was just burned in my memory. I remember it was Rick and David and two other people who I cannot remember for the life of me sure. were uh, all delivered and uh, yeah, simultaneous uh, uh, figure fours inside of the ring. It was four uh, figure fours that were happening, and it made like a square. And I remember they actually shot it like from like a rafter camera. Okay, so that's it, cool. It was actually that's a really, really cool. really cool visual. And I, I'm surprised they haven't ever attempted to do it since, but 
it was like I just remember David was always just like I really like that idea of Undertaker beating up David. That sounds incredible. The yeah. the troubling thing is you get four people in the middle of a ring doing simultaneous figure fours shot from above, and it looks a little too much like a swastika. Exactly, I they just, were bending in pain. The four horsemen just have such a swastika problem. Yeah, <laughs> and it's not their fault. They didn't mean it. It's just again, if you would literally get anyone who was yeah. a person of color or anyone Jewish yeah. in that room, uh, just... that would make a good episode of We're Sorry. By WWE. Yeah, that's right. That's gonna <laughs> be the new. Our bad. Yeah, yeah. We're, they look into the camera and say, "We're sorry. We love you." <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh. And then uh, kick the cameraman. The new Four Horsemen is just Ric Flair and three German guys from Brazil. Uh-huh. It's gonna be great. Uh-huh. These, these poor dudes. They're trying to do all this design stuff, and everything's a swastika now. Right. No, I was a doctor. Um, <laughs> in 2002, business picks up. Jim Ross. Uh, <laughs> when Evolution is formed by Triple H, Ric Flair, Randy Orton, and Batista, here's a clip. Everything evolves, and what you see in this ring before you is the greatest example of evolution you will ever see. But I thought it was a mystery. Ric mm. Flair. Well. 16 times heavyweight champion of the world, the nature boy, the greatest professional wrestler of all time, a living legend. What I like is I believe that Triple H is like standing here. Ric Flair has done it all and has beaten them all and done it with a class and a style like no one else. Take it from me. There is no one better than Ric Flair. I agree with that, King. I forgot how much of this episode where they formed had Scott Steiner involved. Yeah. It really put a stink on it. (laughs) That guy. Man, I... And he got pops. He was over. He's... I like... I like Steiner. I I know. He's... He's Scott Steiner. But man... Sometimes you just need someone who's unpredictable. It was a bad match, though. No, I mean, he's not good. It was, like, right after a pay-per-view. He's not good anymore, and he hasn't been good for, like, a minute. Like, nothing against him. Congratulations. Make your money. I'm not trying to take money out of your wallet or anything. Why are you trying to take this chains off of Scott Steiner? Because I don't have that Scott Steiner drip. Remember that song? Scott Steiner drip. I, 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 okay, no. Doing lots no, of push-ups. We're not, we're not doing drip. this. I'm actually going to make you listen to No, please don't. Rick Flair drip, a Rick Flair drip, robes and chains and a Rick Flair drip. I'm walking like a robot. I'm saying woo, falling over front ways, cause I'm Rick Flair. See? I mean, it, it all fits. To be, to be fair, a lot of southern rap sounds like that. Okay, let's just get we have to have him listen to the Rick Flair drip part. <laughs> And Ric Flair is in this the whole time. Who is this? This is 21 Savage. It's okay. also got some guys from Migos in it who I won't name because you won't know them. Uh, is it Quavo? Offset? It's Offset! Thank you! Okay. You wouldn't know them. I apologize. Wow. I apologize. <laughs> That's my Migos impression. Raps! I'm aggressively dancing at Hal right now, you guys. <laughs> I'm dancing with you. We're doing it together. Does Rick Rick Flair Flair not come in at any point in this? 
Damn. Oh, he's Rick mostly Flint. in the video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the video was like them hanging out. Did and they Rick not remix there. a woo in there somewhere? Yeah, he there's said a woo. woo in there. He did okay. say woo. Yeah. He said he went woo on a lady. And then also there are all of these teams. Do we have any of that? Because that might be something good to like cement his legacy. So many teams now, they'll do like they'll do like Ric Flair woos or they'll do like, you know, mm-hmm. styling and profiling and all that stuff as a way to pump themselves up before uh, football games. Especially the Falcons. Wow. He's a big Falcons fan. Apparently. Yeah. And so they'll oh, have him sure. come out sometimes. Cause like, that's his legacy. And these are like young kids. So I'm doing it wrong. Cause these are like 25 year olds who are super into old school Ric Flair. And I'm like, Teach me about Ric Flair. <laughs> and like, these are young kids who are super into it. <laughs> I will agree with you on this era of Scott Steiner as being like unexplainably enjoyable. Like, <laughs> like he is ridiculous. Yeah. It's so good. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's so great. Uh, the uh, like the era where he was wearing uh, tights with his face on the crotch. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's ever been done better than those tights. And his chainmail oh, except hat. For, except for um, except for what's his name? Rick Rude. Rick Rude. Oh, yeah. But he would spray other people's face on his crotch. I know. Jake Roberts' wife. Ah, Ah, that was bad. You burnt, Jake. You burnt. (laughs) You burnt. Uh, Here's Evolution's music. Do we have to play this? I hate this song. Evolution is a... Go ahead, play it. Rest in peace, Lemmy. Rest in peace, Lemmy. R.I.P. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Evolution Drip. Evolution trip. Four different people on a power trip. All of the belts. An old guy and a young guy. A muscular guy and the guy who is gonna run the company someday. Evolution trip. Remember that song? Do you think Arn Anderson felt bad seeing Evolution? Like, there's Flair with three absolute units. Like, there's yeah. no way, like, like, the horsemen are dead. <laughs> but but where's room for Arn? Yeah. Yeah, like. He just kept pitching ideas. <laughs> hey, hey, boss, what if I, um, what if I ran down to the ring? And, and we I, were like, can you run? And he's like, well, what if I fast walk? How yeah. about if I start running halfway? Yeah. How about if I'm on a skateboard and one of the boys pulls me on? <laughs> and that's not ages. Look, running's hard. Yeah, and he has no legs. He has he, no knees left. None of them have legs left because yeah. they used them all in the 80s. Anyway, yeah. they all bump for me, and then it's you and me. We're the two horsemen. <laughs> what do you think? Come back. Wait, why? Did he, he didn't even let me finish. Oh, nobody's here. <laughs> well, I'll be... <laughs> I'll be at the Greensboro Arena <laughs> all weekend long. I still love you too, Wendy. I never forgot that night we had. <laughs> Uh, Ric Flair continues wrestling. He wins the tag titles along with Batista, and he wins the IC title by himself. The end of his run came against Shawn Michaels, but before that, he was like, you think I'm going to retire? Listen to this clip. But tonight, right here in Charlotte, North Carolina, and in front of the world, I have to announce to you That I will never retire! <laughs> but you did. I will only <laughs> retire when I'm dead in this ring! Wow! I'm not enough, Over but... my dead body! I've got too much juice left! That's how Lou Gehrig's speech should have happened. Uh, yeah! yeah. <laughs> oh, that'd be great.
is like before Wolf of Wall Street made it a meme, too. You know? like, <laughs> of course you like that, Vince. You love when men never retire. WB audience, and you're a pretty good piece of property, as far as I'm concerned. Your career will continue on as long as you continue to win, because the first match you lose, Rick, your career is over. Good storyline. Mm -hmm. First challenger, Randy Orton, falls. But then, I'll tell you who doesn't fall, the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels, who ends his career at WrestleMania 24. 24. Mm, during one of the best runs of his career. Yes. Yeah. The, yeah. Peak Michaels, for sure. Fantastic match. What, what do either of you remember of this match? I mean, obviously, like the the super kick that ends a career yeah. is is going to be the enduring memory. But I think when you watch like the catalog of Ric Flair matches, you see the stamina that he's always had through his entire career. And for this late in the game, for Flair, I mean, and, and I think Flair has talked about this match retrospectively and been like, "Michael's carried me." Mm -hmm. Not sure I agree. But he really went the distance with him, and it was one of the great matches. And as far as uh, I'm sorry I love you goes, I mean, I, there is no equivalent to that in the sport, is there? I mean, that is a, that's, a, that's an affection that you just don't see. It, would, I, it's, it seems like a miracle that it was ever allowed to happen. Yeah, that yeah. is one of those things where I... This match I very much emotionally connected to because of that. Yeah. Because it is a friend, essentially old yellowing <laughs> his his other friend. Yeah. Or old yeller, sorry. Old yellering. I used to call it old yellow when I was a kid. Um, <laughs> old yellering, his old friend. Um, matches for me are always made better when there's some kind of a connection or there's some kind of emotional something. And so this was one of those ones where you can watch that and tear up yeah. for sure. I agree with both of you, and I will add that as a piece of storytelling, and I'm sure I've talked about this multiple times here mm -hmm. before, but this is a great opportunity to talk about it again, that that the match's internal logic was almost flawless. Because going into that, obviously Ric Flair is older. Shawn Michaels is is in one of his primes. So there's no way you could conceivably believe that any that any outcome but Ric Flair losing is going to happen until... Shawn Michaels misses an elbow onto one of the announce tables and injures himself so that he's hobbled for the rest of the match. And then you have you have your your suspension of disbelief in place that, oh, maybe he maybe he will lose because he, he tried this high risk move too early. Mm. Maybe Flair can actually pull this one out. This gives him a chance. Yeah. Uh, just a really great piece of storytelling that that is actually the first thing I think of in that match, which is odd. Uh, because it has one, of, it has that iconic moment at the end. Mm -hmm. But I just love that piece of storytelling. I remember mm -hmm. watching it at the time and going, "Oh my god, that's genius! It's absolute genius." But of course, that wasn't the end of his career. I mean, he came back <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, to have some matches in TNA. He did. Who who didn't? Everyone did. And even though he says he, he regrets doing this, he did give us this wonderful gem of a promo with Jay Lethal. See if you can guess who's who. See what you got, man. Let's see what you got. There's the other shoe drop. You know what, Demet? 
This is insane. You want to see it up there? You know what? Woo! Right now. I'm just like, okay, maybe it was worth it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe it wasn't that bad an idea. Maybe this was a good idea. The dueling elbow drops on jackets. Yeah. <laughs> like there's so a physicality good. to this is that's as funny as as the dueling woos. Watching Rick Flair so mad that he just starts running the ropes and then yeah. takes off one shoe yeah. and throws it at him like he was a statue of Saddam Hussein. <laughs> uh look. The guy has a right to make money however he wants to or yes. needs to. But as as a fan, do Adam, do you wish that, that the WrestleMania match had been his last, that he'd sort of kept that promise and ridden off into the sunset, or does it not bother you as much? Honestly, like I don't want to bring the mood down too much with this, but I I'm happy that he lived. You know? Mm-hmm. Like sure. like that yeah. he didn't die at forty or something. Yeah. And so that he's at this age, doing what he wants to do and wrestling if he wants to mm-hmm. or being... Getting to enjoy being a legend, which so many people did not. You don't get to make it that far in this business. And I yeah, think... he's... In wrestle years, he is 150. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that makes it very hard for me to look at anything he could do at this point in, in his career and go like, oh, that's not a good look. Like, right. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at him and going like, good for you, man. Like, enjoy your daughter's career. Like, be on camera if you want. Like... Hobble around if you have to, but, like, you're here. Yeah, he's become, like, a doting dad. Like, that's what he is now. And that's pretty sweet. There's a great... Uh... And watching him put over the women's division is yeah. always amazing. Yeah. And, and putting himself there, you know, I get a sense that that isn't just because... Um, I mean, obviously, yes, Charlotte being a part of it is huge, but it's mm-hmm. not just because he's trying to get limelight. He's really trying to shine a light on the women's division. Yeah. Yeah. There's a great... Uh, is it, it's called Photoshoot, the WWE series. Uh, that's that's him and Charlotte. It was to promote the 2K, I think, 19, the Woo edition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's footage of them in the performance center in, like, the conference room where they all sit uh, to get speeches. It looks like a college classroom. And it's it's downtime. There are only a few other people in the room. And he's trying to take her picture with his phone. Mm. And she does not want her picture taken. And it is the most father-daughter moment. Yeah. And they're, neither of them are in character. Like, you can tell... Neither of them are so good as actors that you would believe, like, that they're putting it on. And, in fact, there's a point where they look over to the camera and the camera quickly looks down at somebody writing on a piece of paper uh, because they caught the moment. But it's very, like, he's the doting dad now. That's that's who he is. And it's nice that he gets to have that season of his career and be there, you know, be a part of, have his legacy live on in part through Charlotte as she as she blazes her own trail through professional wrestling. It's Absolutely. Pretty, it's very special. Mm-hmm. Um, but there you go. Are there any concluding thoughts either of you have on the Nature Boy before we close out this episode? Mm-hmm. Did we do it all? I feel pretty good about it. It's impossible to do it all. He's had a <laughs> yeah. really long career, but yeah. we, we did, did the all. highlights. We think we did it all. Didn't <laughs> we? Did we do it all? I mean, there's like, God, you could like, I feel like that that was one of the reasons why I figured it would be fun to do this is there's, there's almost too much Ric Flair. Yeah, yeah there's material. too much. There's no way to... Like, we'd be here for hours and hours and hours if we wanted to go... Y'all would be beat, here but... for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Julian. I have deadlines. Before we wrap this up, how many Ric Flairs do you think you could bench at once? If you piled up, like... How, how many O's are in Woo? How there you go. Is there a cannon? Wow. <laughs> wow. See? 
Jeez, so yoked right now. So yoked. I swear he got broader. It's like been like two weeks. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Uh, well, it's only fair to end a Ric Flair episode with this music. I will talk underneath it, right? That does it for Tights and Fights. We are a podcast on the Maximum Fun Network. This week, your hosts were Adam Pranica and Daniel Radford, along with me, Hal Lublin. Adam, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Let this us know. Fun. I mean, obviously, you should listen to Friendly Fire. Please do. Greatest Generation. Yes. Uh, what else? Anything else you'd like to promote? Uh, Greatest Discovery is a yes. show that we also do about the new Star Trek show on CBS All Access. Fantastic. I have so many questions to ask you when we get out of here by some uh, about some recent announcements as well. Oh, we're gonna have you on the show if you want to come on it. Like, uh, <laughs> let, let's let's talk. Yeah, let's uh, let's get into that. We have some uh, so we have some thoughts too. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, let's mash. I desperately want to talk Crimson Tide with you guys sometime. Yeah, I mean, I really I, even outside of it doesn't even have to be on mic. It can be. We don't but have to monetize every conversation we, don't we have, have as podcasters. Yeah. We can just be Wait, friends. <laughs> we can no. just be friends. But if we're going to be in the same room together anyway, why yeah. not put mics there? Yes. But please listen to all of those podcasts, Adam, a, a fine human being and a superior podcast host. Uh, Danielle, Patreon? Um, yeah, I've got my Patreon. I'm going to start revamping it because I've got some ideas for some stuff I can do. Uh, as per usual, please, please, please watch the Honest Trailers. We just put up the trailer for Captain Marvel. I'm really happy about it. Some of my lines got in, and that always makes me feel really good about writing. We also have the Honest Trailer commentaries. Listen to those. Mm. Um, some other fun stuff happening at Screen Junkies and Fandom. We're always launching new shows, so watch those. Follow me on Twitter. That's it. All right. Uh, listen to We Got This with Mark and Hal. For goodness sakes, what are you doing with your life if you're not? I don't even know what to tell you anymore. Uh, Work Juice Improv, if you're in the L.A. area, will be on June 26th. That is the last Wednesday in June at uh, at the Dynasty Typewriter, which is just diagonally across the corner from here. So those of you in the L.A. area, come to that show. Get your tickets online. Hey, don't tell them where the office is. <laughs> oh, they'll know. They know. They know. They saw the paddle boat on the on like on MacArthur Park. Whatever. <laughs> Our producer is the Stan who beat the stands, Julian Burrell. Senior producer at Maximum Fun is Laura Swisher. Mike Eagles, the voice behind our theme music, so we're putting him over for that. Don't forget, you can still check out New Negroes, Comedy yes. Central. Go yeah. watch it. Support Stream music. Him. It's on uh, Spotify, Apple Music, and all the, that stuff. The music is on Apple. Oh, come on. Go do it. Mike is living his best life. And we are thrilled for him, and you should be supporting him every possible way, or else I'm showing up at your house, and you will not like it. Keep up with us <laughs> all like week it. long. You might like it. It's fun. I bring snacks. Keep up with us all week long at Facebook.com slash group slash Tights Fights and at Tights Fights on Twitter and on Instagram. And if you love the show, remember, hit those five stars on Apple Podcasts. Write a review. Write a few words. It doesn't take much. Tell other people what you love about the show. Just write woo if Just that's all woo. you want to do. <laughs> Just with, write woo. As many O's as you want. For every O that you want, Julian will will donate one push-up to charity. Wow. That's right. So uh, it's better <laughs> be a lot of O's. And finally, thank you so much to the Maximum Fund members who have a portion of their recurring monthly contribution. Keep the lights on while we are here in this sweltering small studio. We'll be back next week for even more, you guessed it, wrestling. It's so hot. It's hot in here. It's hot. It's hot in here. Tyson Bites Podcast. Tyson Bites. 
MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.